it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Friday edition of the Final Drive, and we hope everybody's had a wonderful work week. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in here to the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, joined by Michael Brauner behind the glass this afternoon. And of course, March Madness is upon us, Mike, and there's been some outstanding conference tournament games, and the Crimson Tide has rolled early today, pretty much controlling everything from start to finish. Whew. It was uh, th- it was nice to see the Crimson Tide get back to playing the way we've seen them play for a lot of the season. Now, I, I the second half wasn't great, uh, especially offensively, but as they tend to do when they struggle offensively, they leaned on their defense. Uh, I mean, they gave up 49 points in an SEC tournament quarterfinal game. You can't, you can't really be upset about that. Well, I tell you, we have an outstanding final drive for you on this fantastic Friday. Brian Passick, who is the color for Chris Stewart on the Alabama broadcast of the basketball games, will be joining us from Nashville. We heard his voice earlier today, and we'll hear it again because he was there courtside to see how everything went down. We'll also have Robbie Robertson back on. Yesterday, we had Robbie talking about the semifinal matchup that they were going to have. Well, guess what, folks? Coastal Alabama South Sun Chiefs, they're back in the state championship game versus Sneed State at 6.30 p.m. So we're going to cheer on the Sun Chiefs to represent our area and Baldwin County as well. We'll have Nick Roush on from Kentucky KSR to talk about the Big Blue Nation and what they're going to be facing with the Vanderbilt Commodores later on this afternoon. Valerie Preactor will be with us. A little bit of Ravens coverage, Lamar Jackson and the decisions that's going on. And at 5 o'clock at the top of the hour, we'll have Wes Flanagan. He is the assistant men's basketball coach for Auburn and the Tigers. And he'll kind of give us a recap of what went wrong for the Auburn Tigers last night. And we'll also have A.J. Spur on talking about the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tungavailoa. But... Mike, we know the SEC tournament last night got us started, and of course we do have our March Madness matchup challenge today, and they'll be listening for Luther Vandross, one shining moment. When you hear that one shining moment, get on the phone and make sure you give Michael a call to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday, and 
we're excited to to be join joining everyone for this March Madness Challenge and more excited to give you guys an opportunity to win that grand prize of a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress along with two one-hour jet ski rentals for two adults and one child or two adults on two separate jet skis courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and Mike you know when you look at last night's game going in we talked about it yesterday can Auburn find a way to defeat this pesky Arkansas Razorback squad well I guess the answer that we found out was no because Nick Smith Jr. made sure he handled his business last night for the Razorbacks along with Anthony Black and these two young gentlemen were just too much for the Auburn Tigers to handle yeah Arkansas is is one of those teams. I mean, Nick Smith had missed a lot of the season. Obviously, came back roughly a month ago, and Arkansas has kind of been a different team since then. Still had been losing games they really shouldn't have lost. But yeah, I, Arkansas is uh, is is quite the talented bunch that had underachieved this year. And, and we kind of said yesterday that Arkansas probably needed this win more so than Auburn did. Auburn was pretty much a lock for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Arkansas went eight and ten in conference. Auburn went ten and eight. Arkansas was probably going to be in regardless, but obviously you want to win that game in the SEC tournament to pretty much guarantee it. Uh, Anthony Black with quite the game for the Razorbacks. He has 6 of 10 from the field for him, 19 points. Yeah, Nick Smith had, had 14, but yeah, Arkansas is up 15 in the second half in this one, and, and uh, Auburn fought back and... Get it? They, I credit to Bruce Pearl. He drew, drew up a hell of a play to get Wendell Green a look at the end of the game, and it just it wasn't a very good shot. It didn't go down, but uh, ultimately Auburn's going to be okay. I think they probably, probably what, like a ten seed at this point. I think ten or eleven, and you know we'll see and we'll catch up with Coach Flanagan right around five o'clock to get his thoughts about where he feels the Auburn Tigers may be heading. But it's going to be a well of a matchup: Texas A&M and Auburn. Tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., and we have ourselves a doozy going on here for this game between Tennessee and Missouri. The question is, folks, who do you think Alabama matches up better with? Is it the Tennessee Volunteers? Is it the Missouri Tigers? I think that either one of these, the way that Alabama played today, I think that they have an opportunity to, to again, be a Final Four squad. And this is good Alabama today. This wasn't bad Alabama today. This was a, a great defensive performance by Alabama. And from the three-point line, they were letting it fly. You look at taking 37 three-point shots today, 13 out of 37 in the Bulldogs, only one out of 13. And Alabama continues at 27 and 5. And Mississippi State They'll be ready to dance with an overall record of 21 and 12, trying to see where they'll be seated. But how many SEC teams do you think can get into the big dance? I know last year we had A&M that got cut and snubbed, and they're making sure this year that that doesn't happen. But, Mike, when we looked at it yesterday, how many do you think can get in? It was about eight, I think, when we, when we ran through the list yesterday, barring a miracle Vanderbilt run where they, uh, where they win the SEC tournament. If Vanderbilt's in an unfortunate spot, it's kind of the exact same spot that uh, Texas A&M was in last season. 
you know, even if they made a run all the way to the championship game like A&M did last year, I, I think they're going to get left out. And, and it is unfortunate because they're clearly good enough to be a tournament team, but resume-wise, it's just not there. You lose to Grambling State. You lose to Southern Miss. Uh, that's just that's not going to get it done when it comes to March. I mean, they say that bad losses are weighed more than good wins when it comes to your tournament resume. And you lose to Grambling State at home. It's just it's not a loss you can have when it comes to uh, measuring up your ter- your tournament resume. Now, Vandy plays Kentucky tonight. We'll talk to Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio about that at four o'clock. But yeah, I I, I just don't. I, unless unless Vanderbilt makes a miracle run, I, I don't think a ninth team gets in. Uh, as for Alabama's matchup tomorrow, I would actually take Tennessee over Missouri. I think Alabama uh, played Tennessee very tough at Thompson Bowling Arena, that and that's with Zakai Ziegler. Uh, keep in mind when Alabama beat Missouri on the road, eighty-five to sixty-four, Kobe Brown was not playing for Missouri, uh, so. I mean, I, I don't know. The way, the, the way Alabama played and defended today should be good enough to take down either of them. Uh, but, I mean, you you want that other shot at Tennessee. You're not going to – in all likelihood, you're not going to play him in the tournament. So I, I'd like to I'd like to say you beat Tennessee this season. I, I don't want Tennessee to be, you know, A&M too, but I don't want them to say, oh, we, we – Clean sweep. Yeah, I don't – I mean – it's Tennessee. I want to beat Tennessee, and I think we can beat Tennessee. So well, you got to remember the balls tomorrow. Uh, the, the balls are your defending regular uh, or your SEC champions from a year ago. Alabama again this year's regular season SEC champions, but the balls cutting nets down a year ago with Rick Barnes and trying to go ahead and make it to that noon game tomorrow, the semifinal Saturday in the Southeastern Conference, and it'll be a it'll be a, a, a wonderful matchup. All the games, semifinal games, when you start looking at having an opportunity to see Arkansas and Texas A&M, and once again, tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., that's what we will have an opportunity to see. But the Crimson Tide handled their business today and are going to continue to battle through all the adversity that they've seen all season long. Of course, nothing new today besides from a perspective of legally the two young men that are being charged with murder indicted. But at the same time, that that cloud is, is loomed over Alabama for the last month and a half. And with, with all that, the distractions outside of basketball, when it comes down to Alabama finding a way today to score 41 points in the first half. Yeah, they were phenomenal. It, it, it was. It really was. And, and last night, the Auburn Tigers being down 15 points and showing absolutely no quit in Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers coming back and having and taking a lead with almost 20 seconds left to go in the game. Kudos to Auburn for showing basketball has always been a game of runs. And as a former coach, that's what we always say. And that's one of the things I taught my mom. I said, I don't care what you're down in basketball. It's not like football to where you can go defensively. You have an opportunity to turn defense into offense every single possession in basketball. And especially with a shot clock and speeding things up, it gives you an opportunity to no deficit is too large. And 
Auburn was able to come back and take a lead late in that game, despite the way that they played in the first half. And when you look at that performance, that was very impressive in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, to not just roll over and die again when your tournament status is probably secure regardless, and it's not like you're moving up seeding line. I mean, they say conference tournaments doesn't really affect seeding, which I don't really buy, uh, but... You know, Auburn wasn't didn't have a ton to gain outside of pride from beating Arkansas last night. They were in the tournament regardless, whereas Arkansas, you could like I said earlier, you could argue probably needed to win that game more than Auburn did in terms of getting into the tournament. Uh, so you know, kudos to Bruce Pearl and the Auburn team for fighting back a little bit. Uh, and again, heck of a play Bruce Pearl drew, drew up at the end of the game and to uh, to get an open look. It just was it ever a great a play? Shot. And that's what you have to do. You have to set yourself up to put your team in a situation to tie that game and what a wonderful look and it just it just didn't fall for the Auburn Tigers which would have sent it in overtime and that would have been anybody's game in overtime because yeah. you, you're just asking for an opportunity and you look at from the free throw line Auburn 18 out of 27 and Arkansas 17 out of 23 we've said it all postseason long that free throws can make or break you and we'll see moving here in the semifinals of the SEC tournament where the free throws can make a difference for the teams that still have to play. When we come back, we'll listen to someone who was courtside for the Crimson Tides victory today over the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Brian Passick, joining us here on the final drive coming up next. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And earlier today, right here on WNSP, you heard the Alabama Crimson Tide defeat the Mississippi State Bulldogs 72 to 49. And Chris Stewart and his color analyst, Brian Pasek, done a wonderful job of bringing Crimson Tide basketball right into your lap and Brian it was a great day for the Alabama Crimson Tide from start to finish sure was and, and the start is the key and what you said Alabama had gotten off to some rough starts in the last few games and uh, that was a point of emphasis over the last week in practice is to get out to a good start and get a lead and build on it and we saw a different starting lineup Javon Quinterly, who's the SEC Sixth Man of the Year, got the start, uh, and it paid off. He came out, knocked down a three. Alabama got up seven to nothing and really set the tone uh, that they were going to play better basketball, and they did it. Made 13 threes against uh, a Mississippi State team that's one of the best in the country defensively and one of the best in the country at defending the three-point shot. So they're not an easy team to play against. And I thought Alabama came out, played well, got it done on the defensive end, turned a lot of defense into offense, and cruised to an easy victory over a really good Mississippi State team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. Brian, let's talk about that starting lineup because obviously it came out shortly before the game that it was going to be Javon Quinterly over Jaden Bradley. And then Nate Oates said that 
Jaden Bradley came to him and said he feels Javon Quinterly should be starting. Now, I'm of the opinion it doesn't really matter who's starting based on how often and how quickly they're making rotations, but just speak a little bit about the unselfishness of this team and how they truly just want what's best for the team and what's going to help the team win. Yeah, it's an unselfish group, and they care about winning first and, and personal uh, accomplishments and awards and who starts. They, they really don't care, which is amazing when you think about that this group uh, has gotten more SEC individual awards than any Alabama team in school history, and it's a group that doesn't care about awards. And it's the reason why they're SEC regular season champions. It's the reason why they won the day. And Jaden Bradley is not only unselfish, he shows a level of maturity uh, to go to coaches and say he thinks this is what's best for the team. Just another example of guys that care about the team first and uh, love to see that out of a freshman, that especially a guy that had been starting. That's not easy to do, but when your focus is team and winning and your teammates and love for your teammates, uh, that is fun to see as an Alabama basketball fan. Also, what's fun as an Alabama fan and you being a former Crimson Tide player yourself is to make it to semifinals Saturday where the Crimson Tide will either take on the Tennessee Volunteers or the Missouri Tigers who are battling it out as we speak. Which team do you feel the Crimson Tide matches up with the best? Because, again, I know we had our wants, who we wanted the Crimson Tide to play today, but the way Alabama and Tennessee, that game went down, and Missouri without Kobe Brown, the first time Alabama played them, who do you think we match up better with? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think if you ask the players, they, they might they might give you the politically correct answer and say they don't care who you play. I, I think secretly they would love another shot at the Volunteers. That was a a hard fought loss in Knoxville, uh, a game that Tennessee. I mean, just they out-tucked Alabama, and that's not something that happens to this Alabama team. But uh, they were they were one of the most physical teams in the country. Uh, they played really well, and I, I think Alabama would love a shot at them. Me personally, um, boy, there's a lot of orange in the building. I am just walked in the back. I was watching first half uh, here at Bluestone Arena, and there's a lot of orange. They're really loud, and <laughs> don't want it to feel like a real game. Although, I'll say this, and we commented on it during the broadcast, uh, early in that game when Alabama got on a run, especially late in the first half to extend the lead to 20 uh, in halftime, it, it felt like we were in Coleman Coliseum. I mean, it was rocking. There's a ton of crimson in the building. I think a lot, of, a lot more Alabama fans will be traveling north to Nashville either tonight or in the morning to watch the semifinal. So, uh, but... But Tennessee here uh, in their home state, their crowd uh, travels always, and they've done that here in Nashville. But either way, it's going to be a really good opponent, and there's something special about semifinal Saturday in the SEC tournament, especially in Nashville, and I'm just excited Alabama's a part of it. Brian, put, I'm trying to put this team in, in, in the context historically of Alabama basketball. I, I mean, is, is this the best Alabama basketball team that you personally have ever seen? Well, to this point, they're definitely in the conversation. And what happens from today, tomorrow forward, will determine uh, where they rank. Because uh, regular season title is important, and it, and it puts you in a position uh, to be 
should be talked about. I mean, there's only been nine SEC regular season titles and 100 plus years of basketball. Great Oates in this program, they've done it two out of the last three years. So uh, you're judged uh, perception wise and what you do in the postseason. And Alabama's 1 0 in the postseason. So what they do here in Nashville, if you could get the double like they did two years ago when the SEC regular season and tournament championship and make a run in the NCAA tournament, uh, they would definitely be in the conversation. This team has a chance to be special, but the key word is a chance. Uh, what they do with that will determine where they rank historically. Well, historically, you've had one of the best seats in the house with your time with the Crimson Tide Sports Network as, again, we listen to you and Chris Stewart's call today here on WNSP 105.5. And I know last night you had an opportunity to take the crimson colored glasses off and call a little of Auburn versus Arkansas on the SEC radio and saw a phenomenal game last night between those two teams. Talk to us about that excitement last night. Yeah, great game between Auburn and Arkansas. Went down to the wires we expected. And, you know, just talking to some of the folks around the Southeastern Conference office that's here in Nashville, it's amazing how far this league has come in recent years to have a Thursday matchup between two preseason top 15 teams in Auburn and Arkansas, two teams that I believe are solidly in the NCAA tournament, to have that game on a Thursday night just speaks to the depth of this conference. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun to call. Um, it's nice. Uh, and rare for me to call a game that I don't have a rooting interest in. Uh, I, I, I get nervous uh, about uh, winning and losing as a broadcaster for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Last night I could just sit back and enjoy a really good basketball game, and that's what we got. And, uh, the Razorbacks are able to survive and advance in the NCAA tournament, and Arkansas is a team that with Nick Smith Jr. and the athletes and the length that they have, and Eric Musselman's proven that he can get it done in March. Uh, their team is dangerous and going to be dangerous in the NCAA tournament. Well, Brian, everything that I learned in, in my radio broadcasting is due to our good friend Luke Robinson. Both of us had an opportunity to call Mountain Brook versus uh, in, in their semifinal game as well. And and you, you're just – I know you're a Mountain Brook guy, and they came up a little bit short in the state championship game against Buckhorn. But, you know, it, it's a lot of fun just watching – basketball courtside and having an opportunity to have the best seat in the house and to have one of the best in the business and Chris Stewart next to you and just moving forward I know that Alabama has unfinished business but how much fun is it going to be for you knowing that you don't have to jump on a plane in the first and second round and you're going to be in your backyard in Birmingham Alabama yeah, well, first of all, Luke's a great guy and a longtime friend. So uh, that, that's, I'm glad y'all got to, to hang out and work together. And I get to do the same with you know, a good friend and, and Chris Stewart. Uh, so, listen, when, when I saw that Birmingham was going to be one of the sites for the first and second round, I, I, I was hoping that Alabama would be good enough uh, to have a chance to, to stay close to home. you got to be really good for them to keep you close to home. Alabama has been better than good. So far this season, I, I think, going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And Alabama fans have traveled uh, many from Birmingham to Nashville, and it will be a short commute 
uh, next week for the NCAA tournament, uh, especially for me and Chris Stewart. We live in the Birmingham area, as you mentioned, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And, and as for Mount Brook, what, what a year. Uh, Tyler Davis is uh, one of the best young high school coaches, uh, I think, in the country and has, has done a great job. His son Ty is a terrific player, and I've enjoyed watching the Mountain Brook program. And uh, they're just uh, a sign of things to come. It's amazing. You, you have Bucky McMillan, what he did, and uh, doesn't seem to be any drop-off with what Tyler's doing. So I love, love, obviously, Alabama basketball, but I, I, I love high school basketball and, and they're locally where I live. I love rooting for the Mountain Brook Spartans, both the boys and the girls. No question about it. And, Brian, the last thing I want to ask you, you've been around Alabama basketball for a very long time as a player and now an analyst. Have you seen a better player than Brandon Miller put on a Crimson Tide uniform? And I know he's going to be a one and done, but especially everything that surrounded him this year, to go to South Carolina and to put on that performance that he did that night, which to me was one of the most special performances ever by a Crimson Tide player, have you seen any better? I have not. I think he's the best to ever do it. Um, you know, and and I, I will, and if you want to make an argument for Leon Douglas, Reggie King, Enos Watley, um, even some guys I played with, Hollywood Robinson, Robert Ory, I mean, they, Antonio McDice. I mean, he, he Brandon Miller's a special player. Um, the, the circumstances that he's performed under is, is I can't even imagine. He's not only the best player in the country, I, I've never seen a player with the mental toughness that he has. And uh, he, he, it has been uh, so much fun to watch him play. Even you know, today, you look up, it looks like he's struggling. Uh, he doesn't panic. He just stays within his game uh, and, and produces on both ends of the floor. And it, he, he is fun to watch, and, and I would tell Alabama fans to enjoy him while we have him. Uh, he's going to be, you know, maybe the first, I think probably the first college player taken in the NBA draft in the spring and in the summer. So uh, he is he is an uh, incredible player, and I have enjoyed watching him and hope I get to watch him for the rest of the month. Absolutely. Let's make a deep run in March Madness and enjoy this semifinal Saturday. And I want to thank you so much for taking time, stepping away, and speaking with us here on the home of the Alabama Crimson Tide, WNSP 105.5. And look forward to hearing your call tomorrow and hopefully some Championship Sunday edition as well. Well, I hope so, and I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Hope we can do it again. Absolutely. Brian Pasick joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And don't forget to stay tuned and listen for that one shining moment. Music that comes from Luther Vandross for your opportunity to qualify for our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to win a flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to two adults and one child from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. You listen to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5.
Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on this fantastic Friday. Hope everybody had a great week and someone who's had a great week in Huntsville, Alabama at the Juco State Basketball Tournament is the head coach of Coastal Alabama South. The Sun Chiefs punched their ticket to the state championship game, which will be at 6.30 p.m. versus Sneed State. The Sun Chiefs defeated Southern Union last night, 91-84 to in the semifinals. Head coach Robbie Robinson joining us again today. Coach, I'm glad I'm able to talk to you again today because that means you're playing for the ship. Man, that's awesome, Corey. We, we, uh, we're super excited up here. With these, our guys have have had a great week. We've played two really good uh, teams, and and uh, we've really played well. So uh, we're excited. I, you know, we we just got off the bus and grabbed a, grabbed a lunch, and um, you know, I, I think the guys are relaxed and and I'm um, just kind of soaking in the moment. And uh, I think we're gonna play well today, and just kind of see what happens. Well, Coach, you know, again, I, I want to talk to you about having the opportunity for those listeners that aren't familiar with what basketball means to you and your family. When you walk onto the campus on Bayman, in Baymanette, Alabama, Jack Robinson Arena, it's named after your father. And you have an opportunity to grace those sidelines. And now with the upgrades in the facility that Coastal Alabama is making, there'll be a brand new arena, but Talk about the memories that you've had from your time as a young fella to your time as now the head coach of the Sun Chiefs and being in that gymnasium. Yeah, uh, that's that's all I know, Corey. I, I I never, you know, people ask me all the time what I, you know, if I always wanted to coach and I never wanted to do anything else. I sat right behind the bench for forever and and watched dad's teams he was there for 43 years and had an opportunity to play for him and he redshirted me so i was there for three years and then uh got out of school and came back and coached a little bit and actually got to come back and sit on the bench with him as an assistant for a few years and and then seven years ago he retired and um you know they i was i was fortunate enough to to be able to take over whenever he left and for 50 straight years one of us has been coaching there so um it's it's really a cool experience and you know he gets on to me all the time about all his his championships his division championships and his conference (laughs) championships so we need to get this on the night so i have a little bit of payback for him (laughs) hey no doubt about it and i see him sitting in the stands with his legs crossed the only way coach jack robinson can do and when he crosses those legs and get to staring you have to get scared when he goes to pointing and you know sometimes do you see him pointing and fussing at officials as a parent instead of the head coach of the sun chiefs well, I tell you what, the funny story. Since you said that, um, I, I was I was pitching one of my fits yesterday, first half, and got a technical. And at halftime, he walked down there and tapped me on the shoulder and said, "What are you doing? He said, you playing for Chancey Ghost playing the state championship game, and you're over acting crazy and getting technical fouls?" So he had he had a little advice for me yesterday. But uh, he's yeah, he's awesome. He's enjoyed he's enjoyed it, and um, you know he. The guys love him. He he hangs out with the guys all the time, and uh, he, I think he gets more nervous than anybody. He's he's probably just pointing his finger and, and crossing his legs because he, he can't 
can't sit still. So, um, but we're, we're having a great time up here. Well, and you should be, Coach, because, again, you guys, you lose on the last regular season game to Coastal Alabama North in their gym. So they cut down the nets, and they have an opportunity. Chuck Taylor had a phenomenal season, and you guys really caught a fire and had gone into that game. Both of you, I think, had tremendous winning streaks going into that regular season finale, and now you're still alive, surviving in advance, and having an opportunity to play for the state championship. Chance to go to Hutchinson, Kansas, and and represent our state in the national tournament because I know, if I'm not mistaken, our state is not on a rotating basis to where we get two bids. There's just that one bid where the automatic qualifier is the winner. That's right. The only, the only, the only team from our conference that goes is a champion. And um, but the good, the, that's good and bad. The good part about that is we don't have to go play a, a crossover division. So um, you know we got so many schools in our state and in our conference that uh, we get an automatic bid if you're the champion. So um, you know what, what a neat experience. I've been out there a couple times with dad teams, and and it's just an unbelievable experience for for the guys. There's you know, there's a 20,000-seat arena, and there's coaches from all over the country there to watch you. And uh, if you're fortunate enough to play a Kansas team or be uh, kind of around the Kansas time slot, there's, it's almost full out there. So uh, it's a really cool experience. And, and um, man, I, I want it for these boys so bad. And, you know, they, they bought in everything we've asked them to do, like we talked about yesterday. And they take care of their business off the floor. So here they are, you know, a couple hours away from having a chance to cut the nest down and, and make that trip out. Well, I tell you, you know, your dad afforded me the opportunity to coach with him and and to have my championship ring collection. I can't thank him enough for that opportunity while I was there with him on the sidelines. And you've got a pretty good player. Again, I mentioned yesterday, the Sun Chiefs Southern Division Player of the Year, Braxton Williams. How did he play last night? Man, he hit a huge three and. we had two guys that hit huge threes. They, we, we were down 20 to five in the first oh, wow. uh, five or six minutes. And um, that was kind of in my little round where I got the tech and was showboating over there. But um, Southern Union came out and they, they played really well. And uh, we just kind of, we just kind of hung in there and fought back and got it within five at halftime. And, and then just kind of called back in the second half and actually went up by about three or four. And then Southern Union would, you know, make a couple of shots and, and they tied it with about two minutes to go and, and Braxton got loose, Braxton Williams got loose and he hit a three to kind of, you know, put the nail in the coffin with about a minute and a half to go. So um, he's been great up here. He's, he's getting a lot of attention. Uh, I told I told our assistant Jacob Champion this morning, I've probably gotten 35 text messages today from the, from from four-year college coaches asking about and, and you know, congratulating Braxton. And, and um, you know, it's just it's a great experience for him. He deserves it. He's a great kid. And, um, you know, he just kind of does everything the right way, takes takes his business serious and focused kid. And um, his, his hard work is paying off for him. Well, your hard work is definitely play, paying off. Having an opportunity to play for the state championship, an opportunity to go ahead and add to that ring collection, catch up with your dad there a little bit and, and have one of your own. And you have an assistant coach with you that means a lot, Jacob Champion. He played for us and, and helped your dad win a state champion at ship in 2015 along with myself and I know he's been invaluable to you and I just know that you guys are going to leave it all on the floor and bring it on back to Baldwin County. 
Well, we're excited, Corey. I know that. And, uh, you know, what a great year. We Just to get here is, is a cool experience. So, uh, we're, like, we, like we've been saying the whole time, we're here. We might as well go ahead and win it and stay the whole time and, and come on back to Baymanet with a big old trophy. No question about it. Robbie Robinson, you can check them out on jockjive.com. Championship game starts at 6.30 p.m. versus Sneed State. Make sure you tune in. And, Coach, best of luck to you. Safe travels and bring it on back. All right, Corey. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Robbie Robinson, the head coach, Coastal Alabama South Sun Chiefs, joining us. And, again, you don't want to miss out on your opportunity to join us as the winner or the qualifier for the March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue next Wednesday. Be listening out for that Luther Vandross one-shining moment. You can't miss out on that. Final drive here with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. This is George Hara, French coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's Luther Vandross and that ballot, you know what that means. Be the first to get Michael on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress or two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. That can be two adults and one child. And that rental courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And again, the phone's already lighting up. And want to congratulate while we're talking about junior college basketball, Naya Valentine. She was the ACCC Player of the Year in the Northern Division for Shelton State Community College. She'll be playing for a state championship here in about 10 minutes. And Naya Valentine, of course, prepped at McGill Tulin High School and has gone on to Shelton State. And she'll be taking her talents to play for the Clemson Tigers next season. So congratulations to Naya Valentine the Northern Division ACC Player of the Year for Shelton State Community College. She'll have an opportunity to have her one shining moment and cut down the nets for Madonna Thompson and the Shelton State Bucks. And I know as soon as we played that song, Michael, the phone lines lit up and we did have a qualifier. Patrick, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday, as well as the 28 other people who have already qualified, as well as the 20 or so more who are going to qualify. And don't forget, if you can't get through, we're still going to have eight open spots guaranteed at least. I can pretty much guarantee you that not everyone who qualified is going to show up. It'll probably be a little bit more than eight spots. I don't want to give you an exact number on that because it'll probably be wrong. But even if you don't qualify, show up. It's going to be a fun time. Barbecue, sports, basketball, Corey and Michael. Why would you not show up? The final drive is coming to you live from Moe's Barbecue. 
this coming Wednesday, and you don't want to miss your opportunity to qualify. And, of course, Selection Sunday is upon us to where we'll have those fresh brackets printed out, and we'll be handing them out to you on Wednesday to see who you feel can win it all and you'll be able to sit there and fill it out with us and talk basketball with us and get to know us a little bit better and earlier today the Alabama Crimson Tide tucked away the Mississippi State Bulldogs 72 to 49 and of course the Auburn Tigers fell in a heartbreaker last night 76 to 73 and we'll have their assistant coach with us at five o'clock this afternoon, Wes Flanagan will be joining us here on the final drive at 5 o'clock p.m. But will Alabama play Tennessee? Will Alabama play Missouri? Missouri up by one point right now, under 16 minutes left to go in the second half, 42 to 41. And, Mike, I don't know. I mean, I would love for Alabama to have an opportunity to take another swing at Tennessee, of course, they're doing so without one of their star athletes and Ziegler, who tore his ACL and is out for the remainder of the season. If it's Tennessee who wins this game, if it's Missouri, Missouri is always a hard draw. And Kobe Brown, a phenomenal player from the Huntsville, Alabama area, has been around Missouri four or five years now and, and just can score it at will. But a tough matchup. But Saturday semifinals, you just have to survive in advance. Yeah, I, I get it. It's not a strong preference between the two teams. I think both of them are capable of beating Alabama uh, on a good day if, if Alabama doesn't have their best day. Uh, so, you know, really preferring Tennessee is more so than anything just uh, wanting to say we beat Tennessee. Uh, keep in mind, while Zakai Ziegler is out, Josiah Jordan-James didn't play for Tennessee against Alabama either, so it's not like they were completely at full strength. Just, you know, Ziegler's kind of the straw that stirs the drink, really on the offensive end for the Volunteers, but he's a good defender as well. So, uh, but yeah, Missouri is is a, is a good team themselves, so not, no strong preference there. Uh, in terms of the game today... Again, it was a good performance from Alabama. You can't be you can't be uh, complaining about a twenty point twenty three point win, I believe it was, in an SEC tournament quarterfinal. Uh, I thought they were much better in the first half than they were in the second half, which is, you know, that's not. I'm not even gonna call it a bad thing. It gives gives Coach Oates some something to chew him out about on tape. It was not a good offensive half from Alabama, but like I said earlier, you know, you you're not playing well offensively. You lean on your defense. Mississippi State is a pretty atrocious offensive team. They're actually, believe it or not, the worst three-point shooting team in the entire country. And I don't mean I don't mean just in power five, you know, 363rd out of 363. So I think they made one today late in the game. But so it, it, they were never going to be offensively potent. Their offense runs through Tolu Smith down low. But uh, you know, it, it was a good game for Alabama. They just – they weren't they weren't great on the offensive end in the second half. Mark Sears is struggling lately and, oh. and continues to do so. He was one of eight from the three point line. I don't know. He 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 was kind of their second scoring option for most of the season, and and he's really I I hesitate to say fallen off, but but Betty Ako showed Betty, up to play today. Betty Eleven Ako points today, and wound up having five block shots. Angry Chuck is back. Six rebounds. So I think today is Chuck Betty Ako's birthday. I you're right. As well as Chris Stewart and Brian Pazic were on the call, and 
you know, when Chuck is able to be a defensive factor and normally he comes in not averaging more than four or five points. He's the anchor of the defense for sure. When he's able to score in double figures and that's when you know that Alabama is either in really big trouble because no one else (laughs) that second or third score is able to score or it's just one of those bonus days for the Crimson Tide. And I love for him to stay out of foul trouble. Betty Ako, that is. And Betty Ako's not in foul trouble. It's a good day for Alabama. I I absolutely love the fact that he did not foul out today and was able to only commit two personal fouls and – Play an entire game today for the Crimson Tide. 72 to 49 winners over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Crimson Tide will take on the winner out of Tennessee and Missouri, who are in a tight one in the SEC tournament right now. And coming up in the top of the first hour, we'll talk to the Big Blue Nation fans, Nick Roush, joining us next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Hour number two of the final drive, Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Bronner joining you here on WNSP 105.5 as March Madness is in full effect, and it's my favorite time of the year because it's basketball galore. And again, you want to make sure that you listen out for Luther Vandross and his ballad of one shiny moment. When you do hear that, You want to make sure you're the first person to call Michael up on the phone to qualify for an opportunity to pick a random team that's competing in the NCAA tournament. And if you're paired with the team that wins the big dance, then you win the grand prize of a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you and up to two adults and one child or two adults on two separate jet skis from our friends at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. All you have to do for a chance to win is qualify and show up to Moe's Barbecue downtown at 6 o'clock p.m. on next Wednesday, March 15th. And you want to make sure that in order to qualify, you have to be present. So that's the biggest key that you are there. And we'll even have eight spots open so you can have a chance to get in and become a qualifier the night of the event. So eight spots will be open if you're not able to get into the opening kickoff or our show here, the final drive, you most definitely will be able to have an opportunity to show up at Moe's on next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to qualify. And Alabama qualified for 
the SEC semifinals with a 72-49 win over Mississippi State. Brandon Miller, 18 points. Noah Gurley with 11. Betty Ako with 11. The Auburn Tigers won't have an opportunity to advance. They fall 76-73 to to Arkansas last night. And Janai Broom, he had a pretty decent game. 13 rebounds is what he had. But Auburn dug themselves a deep hole early and had to try to climb out of it and did climb out of it, only trailing by one point late in the game in a big-time comeback by the Auburn Tigers comes up just short and them tying the the game came up a little bit short a three-pointer at the buzzer coming out of a timeout a beautifully drawn up play by Bruce Pearl and his staff didn't fall for the Auburn Tigers and they will have to await selection Sunday to try to advance and later on this evening you will have Vanderbilt and Kentucky playing one another in the late cap tonight. The 6 o'clock evening cap will be Arkansas, who defeated Auburn, playing Texas A&M. And one thing I've learned is, as I've been to the SEC tournament, when it was held in Atlanta, Big Blue Nation shows up and shows out when it's this time of year and they travel hard and, and now if they lose you you can find a plethora of hotels and also tickets if big blue nation loses but if they don't hotels and tickets are hard to come by and, and you see a lot of orange in nashville and bridgestone arena right now but later on tonight you'll see a lot of blue and our next guest is here to talk about the Big Blue Nation for Kentucky KSR. Nick Roush joins us. Nick, how are you doing? And welcome to the final drive. I'm happy to be on, guys. Excited for tonight. Uh, just, you know, my, like my son, we're a little upset. We had to wait until 9.30. The, the late night tip off the tough one. It's a long, long wait. But, uh, and it hasn't actually fared well for Kentucky over the years. They were one and done last year. Uh, beat Vanderbilt, and, and then lost in the semifinals. Um, they've only won one SEC tournament out of this late-night cap over the years. So, interested to see how it, it works out this year. Uh, running it back with Vandy again after just losing to him a week ago. Well, I think that that's something that you can really have as positive motivation to where you allow the Commodores and Jerry Stackhouse to come into Rupp Arena and do something that Vanderbilt's normally not used to. Now, Vanderbilt, they're playing for their bubble lives right now. They're trying to stay off of that bubble and hope that Kentucky doesn't burst it. With 19 wins, they have the co-SEC Coach of the Year in Jerry Stackhouse. This should be a tremendous game, and the odds makers say Kentucky should win it by about eight and a half, but I I, I just think that Vanderbilt's going to play Kentucky really tough. They are, and the thing is, too, is these, these teams know each other very well, right? Um, it's, it's one of the few annual rivalries, and a lot of these guys at Vandy have been there multiple years, too. So uh, not only did they experience kind of a butt-whooping, that, that first game in Nashville was one of the faster games 
that I've watched all season for Kentucky where they were getting up and down. There wasn't a lot of fouls called. Kentucky shot the ball well. And then a week ago, Kaysom Wallace gets injured, Liam Robbins gets injured, and Vandy really scratched and caught. I, I think to your point, though, about it being a close game, like everybody at Vanderbilt believes they're going to win this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's only the third team to ever win at Rupp Arena. But they know they can play with this team. Uh, a lot of it's going to come down to, I think, how well does Kentucky play with Kaysom Wallace back in the lineup in in have they figured out Vandy? Because they're a different team without Liam Robbins around. Uh, they're playing a lot of five out. They can get a lot of mismatches. I think it's going to be a big night. It has to be a big night for Jacob Toppin guarding some of those guys and stretching out to the perimeter for Kentucky. Well, you look at, you were talking about Wallace and his numbers. The last time they played the Commodores, 20 minutes and six points. And the most consistent performer for Kentucky all season long has been their last year player of the year. This year, definitely all-American type status and numbers again. Yeshibwe is 21 points uh, and 10 rebounds when they played a week ago. But he's been the solid rock for what Calipari yeah. wants to do. Yeah, and, and he has a decisive advantage, too, over – Melora Brown, whereas some of these guys with a lot of length um, will give him problems. Uh, getting into kind of a rock fight with Melora Brown, it, it should play right into to what he wants to do. So, really, I, I think Vandy's almost, they'll probably, I don't want to say wave the white flag, but they know that Oscar Sheboy's going to get his. It's more of a making sure that the, the others t don't beat them. And that's what they did last time. Uh, last Tuesday, Kentucky only shot 32%. They only made three threes. It was uh, one of their worst shooting performances of the season. And to go back to Toppin, that was the only time he hasn't scored in double digits in the last three or four months. Talking to Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio. Nick, I think Kentucky, uh, at least making the, the SEC championship game and taking on Alabama, it, from what I've seen, has been the most popular pick in terms of uh, people's predictions which, which is interesting to think about based on where they where we were at early in the season. You, you had a fan getting kicked out of the stadium for bringing a please go to Texas sign. I mean, can you just talk about the coaching job that John Calipari has done this year to bring this team from a, a, one looking like the Calipari era could be running out to a team that no one wants to face in March? Well, and, and really, it, it's been impressive because there's some big picture things that played a role in the gripes, right, that, that, that got people bringing the go-to-Texas Cal signs the games. But the, as far as in-season coaching, he did a great job. It, it, some would argue it took him longer than he should have to ride with Case and Wallace at the point guard over Severe Wheeler. But that made a significant impact. It provided a lot more spacing on the floor to let these drivers operate. And then secondly, you know, it he, he – he took his big rock, his big pillar, Oscar Shibway, the nation's leading rebounder, and he took him away from the basket, which it seems a little antithetical, right? Like you're you're making his job more difficult. But uh, by putting him kind of at the top of the key and letting him play a little bit more out, he's been good in the mid-range. And on top of that, it's, it's just giving people more room to operate. And that's how you see guys like Antonio Reeves being able to go off. Uh, had 37 points against Arkansas, the third most of any player in the Calipari era. Uh, 
really surprised, really unexpected. Uh, nobody saw last Saturday's performance in Arkansas coming, and it's got the Big Blue Nation feeling a lot better, feeling confident that they can make a run through Sunday in the SEC tournament. One of the biggest surprises of that last game for the Vanderbilt Commodores was Jordan Wright coming off the bench for the Commodores and having 23 points in 28 minutes. And when you get the production that Jerry Stackhouse expects to see from his starters like Tyren Lawrence, and he could, he produced well against Kentucky in that loss to Vanderbilt at Rupp Arena, who else tonight do you think will be a difference maker and a factor for Kentucky having to slow down? You, you mentioned Jordan Wright. That one was a surprise because Chris Livingston had been playing so well to that point. And he really, I mean, th that was a matchup, right? Like, he got beat. He got cooked on that final game-winning shot, that game-winning opportunity. Uh, Wright is, is, is a challenge, right, because of his size. And when they run this five-out stuff, um, he can get those one-on-one -on -one opportunities. So, Chris Livingston has to play well. And then the point guard for Vandy Mannion, he's got a five, uh, I think it's like his assist turnover ratio is five in SEC play. It's incredible. He's taking care of the ball. He's playing sound. And, and that's how you create open threes that, that can pull off the upset, right, is having elite point guard play. And that's what Vandy's getting so far. Well, you definitely have to have elite point guard play when you come down to March Madness. And – when you look and switch gears, of course, we are in the spring and Auburn started practice a week ago before they had their spring break. Kentucky got after it and were in shoulder pads with one another mm -hmm. before their head coach, Mark Stoops, let them go for the spring break. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that they usually use that first week. It's like, all right, we've got to do the acclimation period. But we're going to reward them. We're going to let them hit each other one day. Um, they kind of use it to, to get those those first two out of the way. But um, the, it, it was good news to hear that uh, so often last year, Kentucky's top 25 defense. We just had reports from practice. All oh, they, you know, they're really uh, doing a good job of slowing down this offense. Their offense is kind of struggling to figure out what's, uh, you know, how to learn this new offense. Well. The first day, the, the defensive coordinator, Brad White, saying, yeah, the offense kind of smacked us in the mouth. Uh, that's good news because when that – it means the, the offensive line is bringing it. That was the weakest link. That's the reason why Kentucky underperformed a year ago. They need that offensive line to get back to its winning ways. And so far, uh, so good for the Wildcats in spring practice. Well, the biggest question I know a lot of Big Blue Nation have from a football standpoint, who's going to call the signals? Who's going to be that signal caller for Coach Stoops this year for Kentucky? Oh, this is this is Devin Lee's job uh, with Liam Cohen in here. It, it, it's funny because some of the receivers, they're saying early on, Will Levis is known for his arm strength. Well, they're like, you know it, Devin kind of puts it up there. He's got a nice soft touch to it. You know, it doesn't hurt your hands quite as much when you're trying to catch passes. So, Leary has the experience, although the, the biggest concern about him is he's two of his last three seasons ended early because he suffered injuries. They have to have a QB2 ready to roll. They're trying to find one this spring, and if they don't, they might have to hit the transfer portal uh, for some insurance purposes. Well, for insurance purposes, Kentucky used to have – 
a head basketball coach by the name of Rick Patino, and he's at Iona mm-hmm. and has continued to do a good job. His name has come up for some big-time jobs here in the country, whether you see St. John's removing Mike Anderson as their head coach or Patrick Ewing being fired at Georgetown. Do you feel or does the Big Blue Nation still feel that connection to Rick Patino, and do they think that he could go to one of these schools? The ball is ticked, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's shows. First, to get Mike on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 p.m. and a chance to win a brand new flat screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you and up to two adults and one child or two adults on two separate jet skis that courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and the phone lines are blowing up the same way the SEC tournament is blowing up the Alabama Crimson Tide Obliterated the Bulldogs of Mississippi State earlier. The Razorbacks defeated Auburn last night in Missouri and Tennessee are going toe-to-toe with a little under four and a half minutes left to go in that quarterfinal matchup. The winner out of Tennessee and Missouri will wind up seeing the Alabama Crimson Tide at noontime tomorrow in semifinals Saturday. And, Michael, I know as the phone lines were lighting up, who was the first person to call and qualify? Linda. Congratulations to Linda. Looking forward to it on Wednesday. It's going to be a good time. And remember, you must be present. If you're a qualifier, you must be present at Moe's Barbecue downtown Wednesday, 6 o'clock p.m., to join us for our March Madness Matchup Challenge 2023 style. And there were some matchups in the NFL that were very interesting this past season, and one of those were by my favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. And during this offseason and really throughout the regular season, Management with the Miami Dolphins had some decisions to make. General Manager Chris Greer and head coach Mike McDaniel have decided to pick up their fifth-year option on Tua Tungavailoa. And Tungavailoa set career highs with his passing rating, his completion percentage, and the Dolphins continued to feel like he is the future of their franchise. Now, Tua did sustain two con- concussions, and I think it might have even been a third during last season and missed four games and most of one other. But he is one of those quarterbacks when healthy. He, he throws it on a line better than anybody in the NFL, and that's evident as his numbers showed before he got sick. But Tungavailoa, 
He's entering his fourth year of his rookie contract and is making a fully guaranteed 23.4 mil next season, Mike. Throws it on the line better than anyone in the NFL? I mean, just look at his accuracy. His passing rating and completion percentage was higher than anyone before he was hurt. Oh, man. Uh, and again, I mean, hold on. I, we're going to get back to I, I actually have breaking news. I, I'm not kidding. Carolina Panthers just traded up for the number one pick with the Chicago Bears. No way. I, As we speak, Ian Rappaport, sources say that the Bears are trading the number one overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for big-time compensation, including multiple first-rounders. Chicago loads up and lands at number nine, while Carolina can draft its quarterback of the future. Is Bryce Young about to be a Carolina Panther? Well, this just happened. It As is breaking speak. breaking news. And, and who was that source there? Ian Rappaport. Well, as I good mean, as that's, anyone. That, that's pretty sustainable when you start talking about the NFL. The Carolina Panthers, they haven't been successful at quarterback since one Cam Newton took them to the Super Bowl. And that feels like it's been two decades ago now if you're Carolina. But that is definitely breaking news. But the, the Dolphins. Going with Tonga Vailoa and putting all their eggs in one basket, some people would think that they may need to draft a different quarterback because, I mean, you're not going to trade them. But I still think that when you start looking at Tua Tonga Vailoa and his health, it, it definitely worries me, especially – when you see all the problems with CTE in the NFL and there's no more brutal pos position than the quarterback position. And I just, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a helmet that has been invented that can help to it. Because if he has one more, why do you keep playing? I mean, your passion and love for the game, is that love for football better than love for life? Yeah, that's an entirely separate conversation there uh, in terms of, two, you know, if you're two or why you keep playing, uh, you know, we can – I don't want to start a whole thing here because we got Valerie Preactor from WBAL coming up to talk Lamar uh, here the next segment, so I, we'll, we'll take a break here. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit because I think you probably think Tua is a little bit better than, than I think Tua is. Uh, yeah, he's accurate, but – I could be accurate throwing to Tyreek and and, uh, and Jalen Waddle. Well, we'll definitely we'll debate that here after this 4:30 segment because again, coming up next, Valerie Preactor from WBAL in Baltimore will give us the heads up on what's going on with Lamar Jackson. We always say, "Where's Waldo? Where, where's Lamar? Will he sit out? Will he decide to play? Will they trade him?" We'll find out and get some inside information next, right here on The Final Drive. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner, 
joining you this afternoon. And don't forget to listen up for Luther Vandross's one shining moment to qualify to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for an opportunity to win two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to two adults and one child or two adults and that courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and also an opportunity to win a flat screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress. Just give Mike a call when you do hear that Luther Vandross one shining moment music and Lamar Jackson has had more than one shining moment with the Baltimore Ravens and the question is will he be a Raven won't he be a Raven and someone who does an outstanding job of cover covering the Baltimore Ravens Valerie Preactor Valerie, good afternoon, and welcome to the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Hey, guys. How's it going? Outstanding. Too blessed to be stressed on this end, and I tell you, you know, there's there's a lot of stress for Ravens fans trying to figure out whether Lamar Jackson is going to be calling the signals for Coach Harbaugh this season. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks around his status right now with the Ravens. Of course, he received that non-exclusive franchise tag earlier this week before the franchise tag deadline. And so the Ravens did end up saving $13 million on their cap by going with the non-exclusive. Was it a surprise that they didn't end up coming to a long-term agreement or going with the exclusive franchise tag? Yes. But at the same time, the Ravens are going about this and saying they are still struggling to try to come to an agreement with Lamar Jackson, and it just hasn't happened yet. So this is their next best option. Well, the next best option, I know T. Martin is the new quarterbacks coach for the Ravens, and I had T. on about a week and a half ago. Of course, he's a Mobile, Alabama native. And mm -hmm. T. said, you know, look, Lamar Jackson has more talent than I have in my left pinky and or really throughout my entire body. And he said he would love the opportunity to continue to work with Lamar Jackson because he's just a pro and he's one of the best at what he does. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And you see the hiring of also new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. You've got T. Martin. And that is a, there's a slew of other staff members that are coming in that are new for the Ravens and on their offensive side as well that should beef up their roster if the, you look at the draft picks. They have only five this year, but still they could be bringing in a lot of new talent. And especially on the offensive side for Lamar, with seeing the struggles that they had this past season, you know, wide receivers, Rashad Bateman going down, Devin Duvernay, you're really only focusing in on Mark Andrews, who was also injured for a couple of those games in the middle there. You've got your running backs, Gus Edwards and um, J.K. Dobbins, still injured from last season, so they come in a little bit late. Still trying to work through all this adversity all season long, and then Lamar Jackson himself goes down with that knee injury, that PCL strain. So you've got backup quarterbacks, Tyler Huntley going in, and Anthony Brown. So being able to bring in new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, it would be really cool to see him work with Lamar and all these new pieces that they're going to be able to work together this offseason and see what they're able to produce in 2023. But I think it all just really comes down to dollars and cents and why can't they come to this agreement? 
I don't know that anybody really has the answers because we can't confirm what has been going on in those conversations, in those meeting rooms that has been happening with the Ravens general manager, Eric DaCosta, and Lamar. But we know that he doesn't have any representation. But we know that, yes, he does have more talent than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. Valerie, you said it was a relative surprise to see the Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar. And, and, and while I, I do agree with you on that, I'm just wondering, why, why is this not a more common thing across the league? I, I mean, from my perspective, the Ravens can't lose on this one. Either they, they're going to be able to match a contract offer or they're just going to get two first-round picks for them. So why, why is this kind of this ultra-rare thing? So the question there is that do you think Lamar Jackson is worth just two picks, just two first-round draft picks, which are separated in the 2023 draft and the 2024 draft? So it's not even two upcoming draft picks for this season, which they would need because, like I said, they only have five draft picks uh, come April, which is the lowest amount that they've had since 1999. And you have to think, Lamar Jackson, he's a unanimous MVP from 2019. He is just 26 years old. He's at the prime of his career. He's only been with the Ravens now five years. And a record that he has with Baltimore is 46-16. and 16. He's got over 101 passing touchdowns. And he's that mobile quarterback that everybody seems to be looking for right now. So he seems to think that he's worth a lot more than just two compensatory draft picks. And also, he's worth that guaranteed money that we saw from Deshaun Jackson. So, it really, you're, you are right in the fact that, yes, the Ravens can't necessarily lose because if you look at it from their perspective, obviously they can't come to an agreement on a price that works for both of them. But the Ravens seem to think that anybody else who makes an offer to Lamar, it's still not going to be uh, a price that they aren't comfortable with because it's still going to be less than what Lamar thinks. So, either way, you probably will see the Ravens end up matching if any team does come to fruition with a deal that they want to offer Lamar. What's amazing to me, though, does Coach Harbaugh lose the locker room because you have people like Marlon Humphrey saying, hey, look, sign the man already. And not only mm -hmm. him being a defensive leader of this team, being one of the more vocal leaders on the team. And, again, he's not the only Baltimore Raven that's saying that. Will Coach Harbaugh lose his locker room if they don't find a way to keep Lamar on that roster? Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough a tough one because you, you he is the face of the franchise. I mean, this is Lamar Jackson we're talking about. He's been with the Ravens. They drafted him in the first round of the 2018 draft. And, yes, he's grown up with these guys, too. Like you said, Marlon Humphrey, Mark Andrews, coming in the same year, too, and has also been advocating. I mean, he said, hey, Take a, take a piece out of my salary to give to Lamar. You know, these are, that's how much the locker room wants Lamar to be there. That team revolves around him. And is, is Lamar a loud leader in the locker room? No. But he is the quarterback, and he is QB1. And so he is treated like that in the locker room at one winning drive in Baltimore. There's no doubt about it. But I think that you will see the relationship between Lamar and maybe the front office, Eric DaCosta, maybe even Coach Harbaugh. I mean, as much as they say they want him in Baltimore, it seems like this has been going on for a really long time. These negotiations almost capping at like two years at this point in the making. We're speaking with Valerie Preactor from WBAL Radio in Baltimore and does an outstanding job as a sports anchor also with the Ravens and what they're looking to accomplish. I think that 
there's been some disappointments the last couple of years because you start looking at them defensively being always thought about with the Ray Lewis type mentality and that type of defense. But offensively, Lamar Jackson put a spark in this franchise that they have not seen really in the history of the franchise. So is it a situation to where this year, whether it's Lamar Jackson or not, that this is Harbaugh's last opportunity to get it right in Baltimore? Yeah, it would seem like that. And I know that bringing in Lamar really just, like you said, changed the entire offense. They basically threw out the playbook that they had known for so long with Joe Flacco, who led them to Super Bowl 47 in in 2013. And when they brought in Lamar, they brought in Greg Roman and worked that running like quarterback perspective and that type of playbook that worked so well for him and we saw those numbers increase in 2019 that's why he was the unanimous MVP in that year and I think looking forward to what this this team could look like in the future with these few draft picks that they have and we do know that Eric DaCosta does like to accumulate them somehow during the draft he's very crafty with those we know that the Ravens they do draft well because they draft for need but it's been really tough, and he even, Eric DaCosta mentioned at the Combine, their lack of, of success drafting wide receivers. And so that is really the key for the success of Lamar Jackson. We know what he can do on the ground, and we do know that he is a, a very successful passer, but he needs somebody to end up with that ball. So it's Mark Andrews 95% of the time. But that should change in 2023 if they get this draft right or if they get free agency right, too. No agent for mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, and it's just he and his mother. Roquan Smith, the middle linebacker for Baltimore, had no agent and was able to negotiate a $100 million deal on his own over five years. Do you think this is causing any stalls in the negotiation? Because, again, Cleveland broke the bank. They broke the entire NFL with the absurd money that they paid Deshaun Watson. But not having an agent to negotiate, do you sense some type of conspiracy theory or just some problems with negotiation stalling because there's not an agent? Yes, because if you look at it from a business side, and I've seen a lot of different reporters talk about this, he's having those conversations with Eric DaCosta, the general manager for the Ravens, one-on-one, like you said, with his mom. That, there's no agent there. There's no middleman. There's no mediator. Those are business decisions and business discussions that are going on, and they're not always fair, especially when it comes to negotiating multimillion-dollar contracts When you're only five years into your NFL career, he's only 26 years old. Is he working with a financial advisor? That's something that we do know. The NFLPA is also on his side. They do want him to get, of course, this generational money, this guaranteed contract that we've seen from Deshaun Watson. And he he does seem to think that he's worth that much money. And is Lamar Jackson worth $230 million? He very well might be. But is that going to come in 2023 from the Ravens? I don't know that they're willing to put their foot down and say, yes, we're going to give all of our money to Lamar Jackson because can Lamar Jackson win games on his own? That has yet to be seen. 
Well, Valerie, we want to thank you for your time on this fantastic Friday here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. And we'll continue to lean on you to see what's it going to be for Lamar Jackson as time continues to unfold. We just had that breaking news about the Carolina Panthers now taking the number one overall draft pick away from the Chicago Bears. So we know that things wheeling and dealing are going to be happening prior to the draft. And if it's not done before the draft, after the draft, as we go into continue our offseason. But thank you for your time, and we'll definitely be staying in touch. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Valerie Preactor here on the final drive. She's with WBAL Radio and a sports anchor in Baltimore. Mike, that is definitely breaking news in regards to what the Bears have given up to the Panthers. And we'll continue to talk about that on the other side of this break here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner. And as we were talking in that last segment, breaking news coming out of the National Football League. The Bears trading the number one overall pick to the Panthers for wide receiver DJ Moore and multiple picks. Here's your full trade breakdown. The Bears, 2023 number nine overall pick. Also the number 61 overall pick in 2024. The Bears get a first round pick and in 2025 they get a second round pick. They also get the wide receiver in DJ Moore and the Panthers. They're sitting at number one here getting ready for this April draft next month, Mike. And that's just shocking when you start looking at, I don't think anybody saw this coming. We knew the need for the Panthers to have a QB, but wow. Yeah, and we talked a lot about kind of how the Bears balance. Obviously, writing was kind of on the wall that they were going to trade down, but do they trade down to four with Indianapolis and and recoup a decent package there? Or do they go as far as nine and and get a huge package? I I mean, it doesn't really uh, blow you away, the, the package they get to move down from one to nine, but DJ Moore... That's a wide receiver one right there, and he is only 25 years old. He's he's honestly one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. That's a top 10 receiver in the league, Uh, and he's quietly been really, really productive for a bad Carolina Panthers team for a few years now. And and so, I mean, this is a slam dunk for the Bears. As for the Panthers, I I should hope they're going to take Bryce Young, but I'm not going to be shocked if it's C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. I don't know. Well, I I know what is interesting. You had a rookie coming off of a messed up knee with Matt Corral. And we talked to A.J. Finley about who he felt was the best quarterback he played against. Of course, he said Bryce Young, but along with Matt Corral. And when you look at who they have on their roster, Jacob Eason and Sam Darnold. So going to the number one and finding that franchise quarterback is huge for Carolina in a division that is absolutely wide open. And it's a division to where 
all brand new quarterbacks. That's something that you don't see a lot of within any division in the NFL. The NFC South, new quarterback in Tampa, new quarterback in Carolina, new quarterback with the Saints, new quarterback with the Falcons. But the Bears decided that they just didn't want the number one pick this year. Yeah, I mean, they were never really supposed to have it. It was supposed to be the Texans' pick, and uh, Lovey Smith, on his way out the door, kind of kind of found a way to not give them the number one pick, which I'm sure isn't keeping him up at night, no doubt about it. But it looks like the te- you know the Texans will get whoever the the Panthers don't take at, at two at the quarterback position. They have another they have another pick at twelve, so two first two uh, premium first round picks for the Texans as well. But you know, we'll see what happens here. It's pretty. I mean, if you're the Bears, you really just lucked into this number one pick and kind of backed your way into it, and now you're recouping extra first round picks and a true wide receiver one and DJ Moore now. Heck of a day to be a Bears fan. Well, we we do have a user in the app said whoever the Panthers pick, they're not going to have anybody to throw to, and that's something you have to keep an eye on as well. You, you you're going to have a quarterback. You can be a QB one. And they're in need of somebody that can probably play immediately as a rookie. And I just know that you you do have to have weapons, whether that's at the running back position or whether that's at the skill position, at the slot. You have to have an offensive line that keeps you not on your rear end. And I tell you what, somebody who got put on their rear end was the Tennessee Volunteers going down in the quarterfinals. The Missouri Tigers are going to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide in semifinals Saturday in the SEC tournament. Kobe Brown showed that he's a man among boys today in the SEC quarterfinals. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Nick Honor for for the Tigers hitting a huge shot. You know, he's bounced around a little bit. I I believe Missouri is his third school. He, He had a shot to put the Tigers up three late. Man, how about those Missouri Tigers? What a win. 24-8 and eight for their first-year head coach. And, again, Dennis, you, that Dennis Gates can coach. And that's a huge win for Coach Gates moving forward and, again, solidifying the Missouri basketball program. 24 wins for Missouri, and that's not too shabby when you start looking at it. But Kobe Brown's from Huntsville, Alabama. And I tell you, if you want to see other stars like Kobe Brown, get a chance to go to the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Basketball game that's going to be held tomorrow at the Mitchell Center at 12 o'clock. We'll feature the Alabama-Mississippi girls. And at 2 o'clock, we will feature the Alabama-Mississippi boys and 24 of the two states' best players here arriving yesterday in Mobile, Alabama, have gone through practices and They'll be ready to compete tomorrow. You don't want to miss that. Brought to you by the Mobile Sports Authority. Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game tomorrow at the Mitchell Center. Yeah, go ahead. Get out there if you're available. 12 and 2 o'clock. Go see the high school Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. Alabama-Mississippi will be playing 12 and 2 o'clock at the Mitchell Center, so you don't want to miss great high school basketball along with the great young student athletes that will be participating in it when we come back you don't want to miss our assistant head coach for the auburn tigers west flanagan joining us on the final drive here on wnsp 105.5 
It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, joined by Michael Brauner. Taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And Michael doing an outstanding job producing the show as well. And it's definitely March Madness. And when you hear the Luther Vandross one shining moment montage, make sure you pick up the telephone when you hear it and you give Michael a call to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to win a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends that can be two adults and one child or two adults courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and again I mentioned March Madness is definitely going on the Tennessee Volunteers go down against the Missouri Tigers and last night in a valiant effort by the Auburn Tigers, they come up short to the Arkansas Razorbacks, 76 to 73. And Auburn has had one of those seasons to where have been oh so close. And I tell you, somebody who can tell us all about the Auburn Tigers this season and everything that is Auburn is the assistant coach for the men's basketball program. Wes Flanagan joining us this afternoon. Coach, good evening and thanks for joining us on the final drive. Man, how you doing, man? Glad to, glad to be on with you guys and uh, you know, appreciate everything you guys do, man, for the state and, you know, obviously covering, you know, sports down there in, in the Mobile area. No question about it, Coach. And, you know, when you start looking at last night's game, you guys went through stretches. Basketball is a game of runs, and you know that you guys were going to make that run even though you were down by double digits in 15 you, it was just a matter of when that run was going to come. And that run came, and you guys used that 15-6 to six run late in the game to take a one-point lead with 41 seconds remaining in the game. And I know you just needed that one stop, that one stop, yeah. before Nick Smith Jr. answered with that pull-up jumper. Right, right. Well, it's been kind of the story of our season, man. We've got a great group of kids. They've been very, very resilient all year. Uh, you know, we played a really backloaded schedule uh, with, you know, a lot of games against the best teams in our league, you know, on the road, you know, a lot of Saturday games especially. And our, and our kids have fought through it. Uh, it hasn't been easy. Um, you know, there have been some questionable calls, you know, down the stretch in some of those games. But, you know, we can't, uh, we can't blame anything on the refs. You know, the good thing about, you know, our guys is they stay, they stay together. Uh, our staff has stayed together. Uh, we, we continue to preach, uh, you know, being connected um, and, and trying to, you know, just seize the moment. And, and again, last night, you know, with 345, 
know, left in the game, you know, we look at the clock and, you know, we're probably down five. And uh, while kids find a way to get themselves a chance to win the game, you know, we come up a little short. Um, but, you know, you got to be proud of the effort. Obviously, you know, we want to continue to, you know, try to get better, you know, with our execution to get one of those stops and to continue to get better offensively, you know, to give ourselves a chance with a good look at the end. You know, I thought we did that. And, uh, you know, now we turn, our, we turn our attention to a different season, a new season, and a season that can be short or it can be long, you know. And uh, we've had other teams or seen other teams, you know, make runs in March. And, you know, that's what we're focused on doing now. I tell you, Coach Flanagan is our guest this evening on the final drive. And Coach Wes Flanagan, an assistant coach there at Auburn, a former player at Auburn as well. And Katie Johnson really had an outstanding second half, scored 14 of his 20 points in the second half. And also your son, Alan Flanagan, added 15 points and can't say enough about Janai Broom and what he's meant to your team this year also. Right. Well, you know, we're starting to get the pieces to kind of play together at the same time and play well at the same time. Uh, obviously, you know, we knew coming into this season that, you know, KD and I would, you know, have to be big parts of, you know, to this team in order for us to be successful. Obviously, you know, you got Wendell Green, who was second team in all SEC. You got Tanai Broom, who was second team in all SEC. Uh, you know, kind of carried the load for us and be, been pretty consistent for us all year. Uh, but, you know, we're only as good as some of our parts. You know, we consistently talk about, you know, our 10 or 11 against, you know, the other team, 7 or 8. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, as we move forward, you know, in the month of March, um, you know, that's that's got to be a constant thing. Uh, and if we can get everybody playing well at the same time and continue to trust each other, um, you know, I think we can play with anybody in the, in the country. Uh, but I think it just comes down to us. You know, obviously down the stretch the last four minutes, um, you know, being able to take care of business. Well, I know that you guys just have an outstanding leader in Bruce Pearl. He's so passionate about what he does and the energy that he brings to Neville Arena and playing at the jungle. I know that you played at Beard Eves Coliseum, which is still there on the campus. Talk to us about the difference because not everybody had an opportunity to experience Beard Eves at its height, you know, with the cliff dwellers and when it was just rocking with Chris Porter and Mac McGadney and Scotty Pullman. And then when you were there prior to those gentlemen setting the stage for you and now Neville Arena and having an opportunity now for the facilities to continue to be upgraded yeah. on campus. Yeah, well, you you know uh, you know the energy of the Auburn people and you know this community and, and the fan base, man, is is second to none. Um, you know our fans, you know, support athletics all the way around the board from gymnastics to football, and they're very passionate about it, man. It's it's hard to explain. Uh, you know, I talk to recruits about it all the time. Um, you know, they come here, and, you know, it just gives them a different feeling, and so. Uh, you know, when you add a guy like Bruce Pearl, man, as, as charismatic as he is, you know, the way he's kind of cultivated our culture here uh, with our fan base uh, and giving them something to cheer about, um, you know, that, that arena, man, the jungle, man, is, is, is something, man, to be seen. It's something to be part of. It's something that we obviously sell and recruit. But, you know, in order for you to get a really good understanding of it, man, you have to be there. 
and uh, it's obviously helped us in recruiting. You know, we've got our, our recruits there, and they're, part, they're able to be a part of the jungle. Uh, it's unbelievable. But, you know, more importantly than that is, you know, the fact that, you know, they just they just give our kids on our team, man, another ounce of juice. You know, when you come into the jungle, you can just about put, you know, 12 to 0 on the board and, and just let us start the game, you know, on the 12-0 run because that's how much energy um, that they give us, man. It's a special place to play. And that's one thing that my son, you know, has talked about, uh, you know, during the course of this, this week, um, as, you know, being a senior and, you know, possibly maybe, you know, it being his last game. That's one thing we had a conversation about, man, is how much he just loved playing in front of the jungle and our fans. Coach Flanagan, obviously a, a tough loss last night, and you hate to have your conference tournament end that way, but you guys are going to be playing for the NCAA, in the NCAA tournament, so how, how do you as a coach kind of get your players' minds reset and, and get and get them to realize that, all right, it, it, it's a new season beginning, and, and you, right. know, you, you get hot and, and win a few games? Like, who, who knows what can happen? Right. Well, you know, the day was a, was a hard day. Uh, obviously, you know, we were traveling back today, you know, from the game last night. Guys are still a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, we'll walk into the gym tomorrow for practice and have a little short workout. And, you know, we'll start making that, you know, getting that mindset turn in terms of, you know, getting ready for the big dance. You know, we got some guys that's got a little bit of experience playing in the month of March uh, after last season. And, um, you know, we got to turn the switch. You know, it's a different season. It's a new season, but it's one that can end quickly. Uh, and we got to be at our best. You know, we got to be a lot more physical on the defensive glass. Um, you know, I thought Arkansas had the advantage there last night. Um, you know, we got to be, you know, a lot better, you know, and a lot sharper with our offense being crisp with the basketball. Um, but it's, it's it's all about just being a lot more locked in to all the details that we've been coaching and teaching the whole year. And then guys just giving they, you know, multiple efforts and, and their best effort. And, uh, you know, if our guys just really, really lock in on that, you know, um, I, I think we can have as good as any, a good a chance as anybody. Or, you know, obviously playing and, and succeeding and getting to the next round. And that's the, that's the whole thing, man. Just having a one game mindset. Um, you know, survive in advance. You know, win the game that's on your slate, and, and worry about the next game after that. Well, I tell you, you had that one shining moment in your first season as an assistant coach back in 2019, <laughs> making it to the school's first ever Final Four. And that I know that is a tremendous experience and a teacher to let guys know what's possible when you can go on that run. And I know Selection Sunday is upon us. Do, do you guys get any type of feel looking at these bracketologists where you're a Eight seed, nine seed, ten seed. Does it matter, or you just want to go and take one opponent at a time? Man, I, I think you got to have a mindset of take one opponent at a time. Um, you know, when you get the postseason, you talk about the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, you're going to play a good team. Right? You know, we 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 were in the Final Four or went to the Final Four my first year, and that first round game against New Mexico State. I mean, it was a bomb ball. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we got out of there by the, the hair of our teeny team, team. And, <laughs> and that was a team that was, you know, had lost two games, you know, in a year. And so, uh, you know, we'll probably be somewhere in between a, you know, 7 and 11 seed. You know, I'm not sure exactly where. But it, it doesn't matter, man. In March, you got to beat somebody to advance. And uh, that's got to be our mindset. Well, I tell you, Wes Flanagan, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule. 
as you guys are continuing to prepare for Selection Sunday. You mentioned practice tomorrow and moving forward and continuing to look for great things out of the Auburn Tigers, not only here in the postseason, but moving forward as well. And again, Coach Flanagan, thank you so much for all that you do, not only for the Auburn family, but your accessibility as well. And I appreciate your time very much. Man, I appreciate you guys, man, and War Eagle. War Eagle to Coach Flanagan, and it's a situation to where Auburn has to find a way to get it done in order for them. If they win a couple of games that are close, people will say, well, this is the team that we expected to see all year long. And, again, one LeBaron Phylon has experienced that Auburn jungle, and that's why he's a verbal commitment to the Auburn Tigers here in a couple of years. And you don't want to miss out on your one shining moment. Listen for Luther Vandross's song, and then you call up Michael on the phone at 251-694-1055 to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m for a chance to win our outstanding prize packages. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooter. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. In one shining moment, it's one shining moment. Your opportunity to get Mike on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at six o'clock p.m where the final drive will be from three to six, and then we'll get started up with our March Madness matchup challenge for your opportunity to win a brand-new flat-screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. That can be two adults and one kid or two adults from Gulf Coast Water Rentals, and that is on two separate jet skis. And if you cannot get into the opening kickoff or the final drive, that's okay. You can still qualify because we're leaving eight spots open so you can get a chance to become a qualifier the night of the event, which is next Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue downtown. And that phone lights up as soon as we hear Luther Vandross is one shining moment, and it's the best song that you could possibly have in regards to wrapping up all of collegiate athletics and sports. And you just get the goosebumps because you see so many great games, as we saw a great game today between Missouri and Tennessee. As Missouri, for the first time since joining the SEC in 2012, they have made it to the semifinals for the first time since joining the SEC, and that's hard to uh, imagine. That's quite a stat. 2012 is when the Tigers came on and 
I tell you, it's Mike. Somebody had their one shining moment to qualify, and they're going to have to be at Moe's. But who qualified? My guy Gary. Looking forward to it. Gary the is in. First qualifier, Gary. You know, it's one of those things to where Missouri is just a historic type of basketball program prior to joining the SEC. But Tennessee, they've really kind of floundered down the stretch. And we mentioned how huge Ziegler's injury was to them. But they've just lost four out of their last seven. And it's kind of how you're going into March. And that seed, I know at one point in time, Tennessee was a one seed, slipped to a two seed. Will Tennessee fall to the four line, to the four seed on Selection Sunday? I'm not I'm not sure if they'll drop that far because, again, you're looking at a team that's 23-10. and 10, But when you do lose one of your best defenders and your leading point guards with an ACL injury, it changes the dynamics of your entire opportunity to cut down the nets. And Missouri will march on to play the Alabama Crimson Tide tomorrow at noon in Nashville. And I know there'll be plenty of crimson and white making that drive up into Nashville, Tennessee. Don't doubt it. I wasn't kidding when I said I'd rather have Tennessee than Missouri. I think Missouri is beyond capable of beating Alabama. Obviously, Alabama beat them by 21 in Columbia, but they didn't have Kobe Brown that day. And, uh, you know, Missouri was kind of just miserable offensively overall, held them to below 70 points like they did, like Alabama did most SEC teams this year. I'd be pretty shocked if Alabama was able to hold Missouri below 70 points tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. But, I, like I said, I, I, I certainly wanted Tennessee more so than Missouri, not just to say, you know, we beat Tennessee. I really did feel Tennessee was a better matchup a second time around for Alabama, but we'll see. Well, we're definitely going to see, and that game is going to tip tomorrow at noon as Missouri just found a way, and Kobe Brown down the stretch too much for the Tennessee Volunteers. Of course, Alabama won earlier today, 72-49 to over Mississippi State, led from start to finish. Bediaco Wound up having 11 points on his birthday. And Brandon Miller, of course, leading the Crimson Tide with 18 points. Noah Gurley had a great game today. But Alabama was letting it fly from beyond the arc and was able to knock down some trifectas early in the game to really extend the lead. Yeah, they got cold in the second half, missed a lot in a row until uh, – in. I think Dom Welch knocked one down early in the first half. Dom Welch, by the way, did get hurt in the second half. And, you know, we can say what you want about Dom Welch, but you never want a depth piece to get hurt at this point in the season. I think Welch was a critical piece of the art win over Arkansas and Coleman Coliseum late in the season. I, I mean, I think he's a nice little change of pace guy. He plays hard. He comes in. He pulls down rebounds. Uh, so... I, I hope he's all right. I, I read it was a tailbone injury, uh, but it didn't look good. He was he was limping hard off the court, so we'll keep an eye on uh, on Dominic Welch and see if he's able to. I, I would assume he's probably out for the rest of the weekend at a Play, minimum. Played seven minutes yeah, and, and I mean, was a difference maker. But you, he knocked down a three when they had missed like 10 in a row. And Alabama hit 13 threes, 13 out of 37. And we've seen Alabama be able to overcome uh, and win with only making three threes in a game and letting it go 
from beyond the arc. But Alabama marches on to Saturday semifinals. And again, the breaking news not only has been about what's going on in the SEC tournament, but the Bears trade the number one overall pick to the Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers, will they go Bryce Young? Is, believe is, it or not, C.J. Stroud is now the betting favorite to be the number one overall pick. I think that when you need a franchise quarterback, will how fast will either of these rookies, any of these rookies who you decide, if you decide to go with the quarterback, which is really the only reason you trade up <laughs> they're, to they're, be I'll number one. What, they're picking a quarterback. <laughs> That's the only reason that you do trade up to be number one is you grab a quarterback. But how soon do you play that quarterback? How NFL ready is Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson? Are they are they Varying week answers. one starters? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, you sit your starters in the preseason and you kind of slowly let them progress. But you come in, how, how long – do they sit? How long will it take? Will they be week one starters, Mike? E uh, any of them? I, I mean, I think Bryce Young and Stroud could both potentially be day one star. Obviously, I, I think Bryce Young is the most NFL ready. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson is not an NFL starter day one. Uh, we'll see if he's ever an NFL starter, but um, obviously Young and Stroud, I think, are a, a heavy notch above Anthony Richardson. I'll be shocked if it's not Young or Stroud. But, again, you know, these teams fall in love with the physical tools, and and we'll see what happens. But, I, I, again, it, it's probably going to be Younger Stroud. Well, when you start talking about being healthy and, and being able to be an effective player, you know, we talked yesterday about the TPC Sawgrass. Well, bad weather rolled in and kind of put a halt to round one, but it's done the same thing, halting round two as well and we mentioned the purse yesterday 25 million dollars the purse for tpc sawgrass the players championship suspended due to bad weather and will resume on saturday but when we come back we'll talk some more nfl to a tongue of ilo in the news today other quarterbacks in the news recently lamar jackson aaron Rodgers. But we'll zoom in on Tua Tungabailoa coming up next here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Hi, I'm a former Major League Baseball player, Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, joined by Michael Brauner, producing today's show and taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And we would love to see you at Moe's downtown next Wednesday. And it will be the site of our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge, where you'll have an opportunity to win our grand prize which consists of water ski rentals for you two adults and a child on two separate jet skis from gulf coast water rentals or a flat screen television from bailey's tv and mattress 
after you pick your team, if they're the team that actually wins the big dance, you will be that grand prize winner and a winner talking about things that are going on with Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins. They decide to pick up their fifth-year option. A.J. Spur joining us to talk about the Dolphins and Tua Tungavailoa. A.J., welcome to the final drive. Corey, Michael, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be on. It's a momentous day. Uh, for Dolphins fans across the nation as the, the great debate as to who the Dolphins quarterback is going to be at least over the next two years is somewhat settled. Uh, so I'm happy to have that out of the way. Well, I, I said earlier in the show, Tua was through the first three weeks of NFL football, one of the most accurate passers or had the highest passing rating and completion percentage in the NFL. And I, I, I just you know, in Alabama, he threw it on a rope. And here last year, before he had that first concussion, he was playing on another level. He was. And let me tell you, I think even after coming back from, you know, there were two diagnosed concussions. We can call it three if we include what happened at the Bills game uh, early on in the season. Every time he came back, except for the last one, when he didn't come back, he played well. Now, the big question isn't ability with Tungavailoa now. It's availability, which definitely played a role in not extending his contract, but rather just picking up the fifth-year option. But if there's one thing everybody learned, just NFL-wide, it's that Tua Tungavailoa can be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He can be that franchise guy. They, they loaded him up with weapons. They might even add a few more this offseason, whether it be by the draft or free agency, with a ton of cap space that they freed up actually over the last 48 hours. I think now it's no longer an experiment to see if he can be the guy. It's more a matter of can he be the guy consistently, not with his ability on the field, but just his ability to stay on the field. So I think with a fifth-year option that will pay him a little over $23 million dollars, uh, in 2024, he's due a little over $9 million, uh, this upcoming season. It helps the Dolphins out in terms of cap. It helps them out with a little bit more consistency. And it gives them room to bring in more weapons and compete now. Because if there's one thing this front office has proven, it's that it's trying to win ASAP. And in the AFC East, which I know Michael's going to have some things to say, it's getting more and more competitive because – we're seeing the Jets now make headlines daily with this Aaron Rodgers news. The Bills might add a key running back, whether through the draft or free agency. It's getting stronger by the minute. So consistency is key. Uh, AJ, I'll, I'll leave the Patriots out of this for now, for, for the context <laughs> of this conversation. But, you, you, I mean, you know that they're always factoring in the back of my mind, front of the mind, really. They're always rattling around somewhere. But... I, here's the thing, and, you know, two is a likable guy. He says says and does all the right things. I, ju I mean, let me let me ask you this so I can at least get a gauge uh, before before we move forward here. Where do you rank Tua Togavailoa in terms of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Just based on last season's production, it's impossible to rank him outside the top ten. Oh, there may be a discussion to be had. For top five, I see some people online talking about that constantly. I would feel comfortable somewhere inside the five to ten range. Now, that's only with what he can do on the field when he's healthy. If we're talking, you know, quarterbacks 
able to consistently be on the field, he's got to be bottom half. And that dates back to his time at Alabama. But now he's taking judo lessons this offseason to try and learn how to fall, which to me was something you learn outside in the backyard playing around. But to him, <laughs> he has to seek professional help to learn how to fall. And if, if he can do that and manage to you know get sacked or tackled behind the line of scrimmage without having his head slam against the ground, then we can have that top five conversation. But that's where I'm at right now with him. Well, then how do you weigh cast of characters, cast of weapons, also coaching versus ability to play the position of quarterback? Because he does, like, let's get the facts on the table. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He doesn't have anywhere near the strongest arm in the league. Yes, I think the one attribute about him is he is incredibly accurate and he puts the ball where it needs to be. But if that ball, if where the ball needs to be is 60 yards down the field, he just can't do it. Michael, you know, I had a feeling you were going to bring this up, which is totally fine. But let me just remind you and your Patriot bias that Tua Tungabailoa, over the course of the 2022 season, ranked number one among all NFL starting quarterbacks in yards per attempt, and he ranked number one in deep pass efficiency. He had the two fastest attempt. receivers in the but league. He, he, has to hit to. he had to hit him. Okay, then let me, let me ask you this, Michael. Let me, let me rebuttal that with this. As a Patriots fan, I'm just going to keep going back to this. You won, you know, so many AFC championships, Super Bowl titles, with the definition of a system quarterback who utilized those around him. If we're going to go ahead and say, you know, we can't judge Tool with the weapons he has, then let's go ahead and just break down 2020 and 2021 when he was thrown to Devontae Parker, who's a soon-to-be cap casualty, you know, from your New England Patriots, as his wide receiver one. We, had to, you know, we have to break down what he's been given. And what he's been given is plenty of opportunities with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and with an offensive-minded head coach that is revolutionizing offensive play calling. And if you want to go ahead and say that's the reason why he's doing so well, then let's also take a look at how Teddy Two Glove Bridgewater performed while he was the starter and while Skylar Thompson performed. Tyreek's numbers dropped. Uh, Jalen Waddle's numbers dropped. The Dolphins performed terribly. Sure, Tua does take advantage of those around him, but why not? It's, it, we're not we're not just judging him as you know an individual. We're judging him as an individual within the system that he's placed in. All right, let, I, All right? and if he's able to win games and put up stats that way, then we got to go ahead and run with it. First of all, I, I'm not coming on here saying Tua stinks or anything like that. So yes, in the context <laughs> of Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, yes, I would rather have Tua too. But to say top five, I mean, if you're the Dolphins, and I know you're going to say that this isn't true, but they absolutely wish they took Justin Herbert. I, I'm not quite sure about that. Oh, my God. I, I'm I not promise sure about that you that. I'm not Hold sure on, about Michael, that. Michael, let me also point out, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungabailoa, picks one, five, and six in the 2020 NFL draft. Do you know which one of them was the first to have their contract either extended or have their fifth-year option picked up? You know why that is? Because Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are about to get massive, massive, massive extensions, and Tua isn't. That's fine. That's fine, but it hasn't happened yet. They haven't made that leap. Tua Tungabailoa, in the eyes of the Dolphins' front office and the Dolphins' coaching staff and the players in the locker room, because this past season there was a plethora of quotes and, and sound bites coming out of the locker room, they believe in Tua Tungabailoa as the quarterback to run the Miami Dolphins' offense moving forward. So, you know, do with that information what you will, 
but you can't deny that he ranked highly in just about every single quarterback stat while he was on the field because injuries are a problem. Those around him love him. The coaching staff loves him. And even fans that doubted him have changed the narrative of he can't do it to he can't stay on the field long enough to do it. And I think that narrative switch has, has really been the, the telltale sign as to the fact that he is good and he is quality and he is capable of leading this team to something that hasn't been seen since Dan Marino was on the team. It's very important that Mike McDaniel takes over that position and really believes in Tua and continues to believe in Tua. And I think that with him taking over this year as the head coach, Tua's going to continue when, when if he stays healthy, and that's with any quarterback. But I don't think any other quarterback had three possible concussions, two for sure and one possible in a season outside of Tua. And no one else in the NFL, you've really been talking from a concussion protocol standpoint. You're worried about the position that they play, taking hits every single play. But Tua is the right fit for the Dolphins. It was the right draft pick for the Dolphins. You're continuing to put the right weapons around them. And I think that the Dolphins will continue to do well, AJ. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree <laughs> I, I with you there. I couldn't agree more. I, I, and, I agree and with you. if I may, I think it's also worth noting they picked up this fifth-year option at a time where the, the quarterbacks available, you, you have to take a look at the field. Who was there? Is Derek Carr an upgrade to Tua? Michael, don't answer that. Some would say yes. Many would say no. You look at the Lamar Jackson situation and the mess that's going on across the league uh, with him and the Ravens and, and how all NFL front offices looking for a quarterback basically handled that, but they weren't going to go after him. This team, even without Tua, isn't going to finish the 2023 season bad enough to be in a position to draft a quarterback. Caleb Williams, Heisman winner out of USC, just two weeks ago said if he could pick the team he went to, yeah. it would be the Miami Dolphins. And listen, I'm sure most fans and the team itself would agree Caleb Williams is going to be a star yeah. in the NFL. He, he, he already has the attributes of a pro rookie quarterback, whether it be his tangibles or his decision-making. But you have to look at the next two to three years where the Dolphins are going to stand as far as the draft is concerned or possible free agents. Because you look at quarterback free agents next season going into 2024, it's headlined by Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Okay, there's not going to be many options for the Dolphins if they do decide to move on or if they did decide they didn't want to anymore after the 2023 season. And then you also run the risk of him having another amazing season. Let's say he doesn't get injured, you know, knock on wood. Then he tests free agency because we all know the Dolphins, at least under the Brian Flores regime, you know, didn't do a very good job PR-wise of letting everybody know, you know, we're confident in him. We're comfortable with him. He would definitely test the waters and, and see what they have elsewhere. This gives them an opportunity to stick with him, work with him, and have him trust in what they have brewing uh, down in Miami Gardens moving forward. No question about it. A.J. Spur, how can people follow you and learn more about what you have great knowledge of in regards to not only current and former Alabama Crimson Tide players, but your vast knowledge of football as well? Well, they can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Spur, F-M, S-P-U-R-R-F-M. And I'm always sharing Bama in the NFL uh, highlights and, and analysis 
on Roll Tide Wire, the website, which is just rolltidewire.usatoday.com. Appreciate that very much. A.J. Spur joining us this evening on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And when we come back for our final segment, Dickie V is in the news, 83 years old, Dick Vitale. We'll see why he's in the news, as well as Sal Sunseri in the news as a former University of Alabama assistant coach. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. The ball is t- and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's March Madness matchup challenge opportunity for you to be a qualifier of the week. Call Mike on the phone 251-694-1055 so you can guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to win a brand new flat screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three of your friends, two adults and one child from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. Want to thank both of those fine sponsors putting together that prize package for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue Downtown, March 15th at 6 o'clock p.m. And as we're talking March Madness, of course, we had Dick Vitale. We're used to Dickie V calling games on ESPN for over 44 years. CBS stuck their hand out and said, we would love to get you on round one or round two of the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Dickie B said, nah, no thank you. My loyalty is to ESPN. So won't be hearing Dick Vitale broadcast any NCAA March Madness games for CBS. And also, we talked about Sal Sunseri. He officially joins Deion Sanders' staff at Colorado as the Buffalo's defensive tackles coach and will be with Charles Kelly, who is currently the defensive coordinator for Colorado. Some grand congratulations to Sal Sunseri getting back on the field, and he was handling the transfer portal for Nick Saban at Alabama, and now he's going to get back on the field and have an opportunity. Auburn falls last night 76-73 to Arkansas, but Alabama just was playing the waiting game for Mississippi State as Mississippi State got knocked off today by the Crimson Tide 72-49, to and Alabama advances to the semifinals where they will take on the Missouri Tigers, who were victorious today over the Tennessee Volunteers 79-71. to So that was big time, and looking forward to this weekend's matchup. Of course, Selection Sunday coming up. And we also have tomorrow the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. It will be at the Mitchell Center. High School Hoops, the 
24 best players from Alabama and Mississippi, boys and girls, will be playing at noon and at 2 o'clock at the Mitchell Center, and that brought to you by the Mobile Sports Authority. want to thank Danny Cordy for all his hard work getting that back, and we really need to support it. We've asked why the regionals don't come back to Mobile. Well, we have to show up and support it and show everybody that we still support high school basketball here in Mobile, Alabama. What better place to do it than the Mitchell Center tomorrow at 12 and 2 o'clock. I'll be on the NFHS broadcast and WOTM with Terry Canova doing the girls game and Jimbo Tolbert will be joining me to do the boys broadcast at 2 o'clock p.m. So if you're not able to make it out to the Mitchell Center, you can tune in to NFHS Network and check out the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. want to thank all our great guests today, Brian Pazic. He Crimson Tide Sports Network brought you the game today versus Mississippi State. Well, he took time to join us, Michael, and that was big time. Robbie Robinson, the head coach at Coastal Alabama South, they're playing at 634 State Championship against Sneed State. You can check that out on jockjive.com. We had Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio joining us, as well as Valerie Preactor from WBAL in Baltimore. Wes Flanagan, the assistant men's coach at Auburn, joined us to talk about the Auburn Tigers, and we just had A.J. Spur on as well. So it's been a wonderful Friday. If you missed it, make sure you check out the podcast that are available and dropped as soon as the show is over. And Selection Sunday coming up, Mike. Get those brackets ready. Can Alabama cut down the nets? They have to get through the Missouri Tigers first. By the time we next talk to you, we're going to have a bracket. We'll have it filled out. And don't forget, qualifying will continue on Monday in the opening kickoff. So make sure you give Mark and Lee a call and Nick as well on Monday. And the final drive on this fantastic Friday coming to a close. Everyone have a great weekend.